Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. But I do want to stay in the vein of the pursuit of God. I want to speak to you just from a simple title line this morning that the Lord dropped in my heart, desiring his presence. I think if there's anything that, that we should be uh, hungry for, it's to be hungry to desire more of his presence. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, in chapter 5, verse 6, it says, those that hunger and thirst, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, those are the ones that are going to be filled. I love that Jesus, he references those that both hunger and thirst. Oftentimes it's, it's one or the other. Oftentimes we get really, really hungry, we want to eat something, or we get really, really thirsty, and, and so we need something to drink. But, but the Lord is bringing such clarity to the fact that he wants you to have a desire to be hungry and thirsty for him. I, I want to say this, there's something about a hunger and a thirst. When you stay in a sustained place of hunger and thirst for spiritual things, it keeps an edge on you. There's a sharpness that takes place. And in fact, if you really think about it, m- most professional athletes or any successful athlete is always in a place where they're constantly hungry and thirsty. And I'm not talking about natural food, but there's this hunger and this thirst, this drive to want to be a winner. So they're always on edge. They don't wait for the game to train. They're in a constant sustained place that they're always prepared to step up and to step out. And I believe that's the same that the Lord desires for us is to remain in a sustained place of hunger and thirst for him. There's an edge about that. It it, it keeps you in this posture that you're constantly looking to the Lord. And it's very easy when you're not in a sustained place of being hungry and thirsty for the things of God, then you're gonna find yourself being filled with the things of the world. And when I find myself being filled with the things of the world, I lose my edge in trusting God. Now, let me put it like this. Righteousness, it's not self-righteousness. It's not look at all the things that I'm doing right and all the things that you're doing wrong. But righteousness is drawing near to God. Abraham was noted as a man of righteousness because of his faith. Well, what was his faithful act? His faithful act was that he built an altar of worship where he drew close to God and out of his offering in faith, the Lord said, you are now a man of righteousness. It's a drawing near to God. It's, it's righteousness is that I'm not gonna allow anything to get between me and God. And so the, the, the seeking after righteousness is that I wanna be in right standing. It's proximity. I'm getting close to God. But, but not getting close where I'm visiting God. It's, it's, it's being so close that I'm doing life with the Lord, not just on Sundays in a church setting, but I'm doing life with the Lord everywhere that I step foot. That we're one, it's one in the same. And so there's this hunger, there's this thirst, there's this edge that we need to have in seeking after and desiring his presence. Now the passage that I want to share with you this morning, if you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 27... Uh, I want to read, uh, I'm going to read two verses out of Psalm 27 this morning. I'm going to read actually verses 3 and 4. Actually, you know what? I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, just because I love the psalm so much. It's a great psalm. I'm going to start in verse 1 this morning. 
Psalm 27 verse one says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war, my, the war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. And here's the verse that I want us to really dive into and where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. The psalmist David, he says this, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Somebody say one thing. One thing that I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I, I, I want to speak from, from, from that perspective of, of what David declared. The Lord desires for us to hunger and thirst and to, 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 to chase after his presence, but, but David puts language around this in, 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 in what is required in order to encounter God's presence when you desire to seek after him. He, he desires one thing that's actually threefold. And he says this is, he says that I would dwell in the house, I would behold the beauty of the Lord and that I would inquire in his temple. These, these, these three things, which is really wrapped up in one thing is what David is saying that, that I desire. And he says, I wanna dwell in the house, I wanna behold the beauty and I wanna inquire in the temple. These three things is what will allow you to stay in a sustained place of God's presence. David writes just before this in verses one, two, and three, when the enemy is after him and when war rises up and when wicked things begin to take place, but he said, I know what the solution, I know what the remedy is, I know what the answer is, and if I can just get into the presence of my God, everything will be all right. He goes on in Psalms 91 and he talks about the fact that those who dwell in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty, when the wicked schemes try to rise up, it will not prevail because I'm dwelling in the presence of the Lord. See, I want to tell you this is that when you are dwelling in the presence of the Lord, when you're desiring to dwell in the presence of the Lord, it's going to release these three things. It's going to release his presence, number one. Why is his presence so important? Because God does not want you to do life alone. This life in Christ is not a religion. This life in Christ is a relationship. It's that you would know the King of kings, the Lord of lords, personally. I've made this statement before, but God loves you as you are, but enough not to leave you the way that you are. He desires greater for your life. Have you ever had some type of friendship or relationship where you were around somebody and when you got into that friendship, you looked maybe dressed or talked and spoke a certain way, but after a considerable amount of time, you found yourself slowly shifting and changing, thinking like that other individual, talking like that other individual, dressing like that other individual? Let me ask this really wild question. Did anybody in here ever wear Jenko jeans? I saw this post the other day and I thought it was hilarious. So Jenko jeans was like jeans that's cut like really, really wide. 
like really wide. It was like the rage in 1998, 99, 2000. I'm pretty certain there's like a Backstreet Boys cover of them rocking the jeans out. That's not why I got them. But I remember I thought, those are the goofiest looking pair of pants. Those jeans make you look like you got Gumby legs. <laughs> and I remember a whole bunch of kids in my, my, my school, man, they were wearing these things. And they were my friends and, you know, we did life. And after a short amount of time, I found myself purchasing a pair of those jeans. Correction, my parents purchasing a pair of those jeans. Because I wanted to blend in. I wanted to fit in. I know it sounds goofy, but the reality is this, is the more I spend time in God's presence, the more I become like him. The more I spend time in God's presence, the more I reflect him. The more I spend time in God's presence, the more I have access of what he has for my life. And so three things come out of desiring to be with God, it's his presence, protection, and provision. When you desire spiritual things, it's going to release God's presence, his protection, and his provision. David knew this. This is why he said, if I can just get into the presence of God, I'm going to have not only the presence of my God, but I'm going to have protection and I'm going to have provision. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the provision of God. And I want the protection of God which means I need to desire the presence of God. But the way that I get access to those things is simply what David declared. And he says this, that I would dwell, behold, and inquire. I want to just talk about those three, three words right there. Dwell, behold, and inquire. And as I, as I turn our attention in, into some of these thoughts on this, the Lord really gave me this word because we, we're coming into, how many weeks do we have left in the year? Five? We're getting close to it, right? Five, five six, five and a half. And um, as you know, as we start off our new year, every year we start off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yes, I thought it was absolutely appropriate to talk about fasting after Thanksgiving so that you would not go into your week with conviction. But as we prepare to go into the new year, every year we take time and we, and we fast and we pray and we, and we come together. And I'll tell you, this year when we went into our 21 days of fasting, we went into it obviously fasting. There was a natural hunger that turns into a spiritual hunger. And this year when we came together in this time, I think it was one of the most powerful church-wide fasts that we had had uh, in, in, in quite some years the Lord did some marvelous and powerful things. We saw blind eyes that were healed during the fast. I know people that were deaf in their, in, in their hearing, like they got their hearing back. I, I know of some testimonies that came in where people that had been believing for breakthroughs on their job, doors opened up supernaturally. Why? Because when you prioritize seeking his presence first, provision, protection, direction for your life is all the result when you seek him first, right? That's why the Bible says seek him first in his righteousness and all these things will be added. Sometimes we get so worried about all these things and he's saying seek me and I got the things covered for you. 
And so when we go in our time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, I, I really want to communicate it in such a way that you start preparing now. I'm not asking you to fast right now. That's what the 21 days are for. But I think it's important as the body of Christ, we start putting attention and focus on this as we prepare for what the Lord is going to do in 2024. And let me tell you something, even though that this year is greater, and even though that this year has been spoken that the last quarter is a season of manifestation, as we go into next year, it doesn't mean that the season of manifestation has come to a, a conclusion. But those that remain hungry, those that remain thirsty, those that remain in pursuit of God and desiring God will see an even greater level of manifestation as we go into the 2024 year. I'm declaring today as we prepare ourselves to seek his presence, to desire him, the Lord is going to do supernaturally, mightily, powerfully in your life in ways that you have never encountered before. All I can tell you is this, what the Lord is doing in his church right now is he is preparing his church for the greatest move that this earth has ever witnessed. We are in a season, and I'm not speaking to 2024 in the year just itself, but I'm speaking that 24 is going to be the marking of a season of what the Lord is getting ready to do in his church. But for those that seek him, that desire him, get ready for the greatest shaking as we go into this new year. Get ready for your lives, for, for, for your families, for your future to have the greatest shaking in a good way if you desire him. David says these things, I desire from the Lord to dwell. I want to talk to you about dwelling for a moment. There's almost 400 references of the word dwell throughout the Bible. The, the, the word dwell means to come to a, a rested place, a, a sitting place. A, a, it's a posture that you're waiting just as Mary was at the feet of Jesus when Jesus was in the room. We know that passage in Luke's gospel where it says that Martha was busy with much serving. She was doing things for the Lord, but it was Mary that had the better part because she was willing to sit and wait. Can I speak to you about that for a moment? There's a lot of things that you're doing for the Lord that are busy things, but one thing that God desires for you is for you to sit and to wait on the Lord. That's why David goes on and he says this, I would have fainted if I hadn't believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he charges by saying, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I believe that we live this life right now with what's going on in the world that everything is busy, 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 busy. Everything is competing for your attention. Everything is competing for your time. But will you be willing to wait and rest in the things of God? What is it worth to have that encounter with the Lord? And I'm not talking about Sunday encounters only. I'm talking about a lifestyle of awaiting on the Lord. My desire is to wait on the Lord and to see the Lord reveal himself in a way that, that, that I have never seen. Because I'll tell you what, doing life in flesh on my own is, y'all know, it's hard as it is. Life is hard and heavy on its own, but when I wait on the Lord, he says that he will give you strength. He will give you strength. Some of you maybe needed to hear this word today is that you've been so busy doing God-like things, spiritual things, but you haven't waited on the Lord. It's a sitting, the dwelling, it's a posture that I'm remaining in position and saying, here I am, Lord, speak to me. Here I am, Lord, 
Reveal yourself to me. Here I am, Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a posture, this dwelling. It's this abiding as, John, uh, as Jesus says in John 15. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Why maybe you haven't seen much fruit in your life? Because maybe you haven't been abiding, dwelling, waiting. There's something about remaining in Christ, staying steadfast. The world will try to shake your faith. The devil will try to shake your faith, but dwell in him. He will give you strength. He will give you protection. He will give you provision. He is with you. He is for you. Don't allow the things of this world to cause you to question the things of God. God is a good God. God does love you. His promises still stand for you. So do not lose sight because God is for you. I'm trying to give you a message of hope as we're going into this season right now. We know that this, that this time of year is a season where while we see a lot of the amazing Christmas lights, which doesn't the stage look pretty fantastic, then the lobby look great when you're coming in and the palm trees outside. We're all about Christmas. I love it. I love the season, but I know this. While there's a lot of hope and joy, at the same time, there is a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of depression and there's a, there's a lot of, uh, of things that try to creep in with people and making people feel alone or out of pocket and, 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 and just in a place of life that, that nothing is good. But I'm here to tell you our God is good. And I'm here to tell you, if you can dwell and remain steadfast in him, you will conclude this year greater than the way that you started the year. I'm going to say that again for somebody. If you can remain steadfast, dwelling in him, your desire to dwell in him, you will conclude this year greater than the way that you started this year. The Lord desires for you to finish this year well, to finish this year strong, to finish this year greater. He says, one thing I desire is to, to dwell. The, this word dwell, it's interesting. Uh, I, I was pulling up what the original root of it is in, in, in Hebrew. It comes from yashab. In yashab, it means to ambush. Interesting word. Ambush is like, you know, surprise attack. But it, but it gives further explanation. Ambush is when, when someone is getting ready to attack, they conceal themselves. They cover themselves. They, they get to a low posture, almost like to this real intimate place. It's like in my house. Um, I love this stage of life with my kids. They're super into hide and seek. But they're not so good that they, that they can find me. I almost make it too hard the way that I hide myself. I conceal myself really, really well. My kids, they think that they know where I'm at and I'm like hiding up in the attic and it's like, you know, they're like the height of my knee, like they're going to get up there. I, I'm too intense. Uh, so here's the deal, right? When I play games, I play to win. You shall not find me. You shall not win at all costs. I don't care how old you get, but yeah, your son is too. I know I will dominate him until he learns to dominate me. Like when we wrestle, it's on. I put them in arm bars. Come on, get stronger, flex. That might be why he's a little bit too aggressive. <laughs> but we'll play hide and seek and I will conceal myself so well and I'll get real quiet. And then I hear the little pitter patters of feet making its way across the house. 
And then at some point, I'm like, okay, I can't make it too hard. So I start to reveal a little bit of myself. But they come into the room. And when they come into the room, it's like this big surprise dad attack. And I overwhelm them with my arms. It's this ambush mindset. It's, it's this, I'm concealing myself because I know that the king is going to come into the room. And when he enters in with everything that I have, I'm just going to throw my arms around him. This is the type of dwelling that David is talking about. I, I, I'm going to be in his temple because the moment the king steps into the room, my arms are wrapped around him and I'm not letting go. The, the, the dwelling place, the abiding, is to remain in a posture that when I have God's presence, I'm going to do everything that I can never to let it go. God wants you to have that. That's why Paul says that our bodies, it's the temple of the Lord, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, it dwells within us. I want to hold tightly to that. And whatever it takes, I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to allow, allow a bad day cause me to compromise and let it go. I'm not going to allow something stupid I said or I did to compromise and let it go. I'm going to hold tightly because the presence of God is everything to me because to have his presence is to have the king himself. You can't separate the two, guys. It's to have Jesus and it's, and it's to say, Lord, with everything that's within me, I'm going to cling to you. This is why in the book of Ruth, Ruth, when, when, when she's at this place where she loses her husband and, and her sister-in-law, Orpah, she loses her husband and, and Naomi, their mother-in-law, she, she says to, to the two girls, just go back home. Just go back home. I don't have any more sons that I can bear and give to you in marriage for you to continue on and have families. Just go back to your original homeland. And, and the Bible says that, that Orpah kissed her, but that Ruth clung to her. It was a clinging. It was a clinging that, that she knew that Naomi was the key to purpose and destiny. There's this thing that when you cling to God's presence, it is about purpose and destiny. Because I desire to dwell in his presence. So David, he says, I desire to dwell and behold the beauty. Now, this is an interesting word, behold. To behold means to look intently. It's to see with such a focus that nothing causes you to take your eyes off of the thing that you're beholding. Like when my wife and I, when we got married, and she came down that aisle in her white dress, I was beholding the beauty of my bride. It's about as mushy and gushy as I get. You know when you behold the one that you love? Maybe for some of you mothers, it's when you gave birth and you saw your, your baby for the first time. Maybe it's the person that you are married to. It's this beholding, it's, it's this, it's this ex real life experience. To, to behold something, by the way, is not something that you see on TV. To behold something is not seeing something that is scrolling through social. To behold something is to experience it in the present. It's a present manifestation of God's glory. To behold something, which by the way, glory, lest we get... Like, what is that? Glory is God's greatness manifested. 
So if you're wondering what the word glory is, it's to see God's greatness in real life. And that's why in the Bible, when it talks about the fact that we are to reflect or to reveal God's glory, it's that we are living our life so purposeful, so successful, so prosperous, that the greatness of God, that it's not found in our strength, but the greatness of God is found in God's strength that is now coming alive from the inside of us, now on the outside of us. It is a glory that is manifested. It is a greatness that is manifested. And David is saying, I want to behold the glory, the greatness, the beauty of the Lord. Now understand this because the Bible talks about, even from our theme scripture this year in Corinthians, the fact that with all of those with unveiled faces, we will behold the image of God as if we are staring in the mirror. It's a reflection. It's that, it's that when we understand that in Christ we're a new creation, and when we understand that we reflect the image in the likeness of God, it's like when we look in the mirror, we're not seeing our own flesh, we're seeing the greatness of God. And I want to say this, that maybe some of you have allowed things in your life to cause you to not see the good things, the great things. But I'm here to speak to you this morning, is that you are a chosen generation. You are a child of God. There is greatness that is in you, and when Christ is inside of you, all things are made new. Some of us, we, 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 we just think, well, there's nothing good about my life. No, no, you got to stop that mindset. You got to stop that thinking. You got to know that you get to reflect the beauty and the greatness of God. There is not one person that is gathered here this morning that is a mistake. There is not one person that is here today that is, that, that, that is just an afterthought. You are God's primary thought, you are his first thought. You are his prized possession. He loves you. He cares about you. And there is greatness on the inside of you that he wants to get on the outside of you so that you can see the greatness of God in your life. Behold the greatness of God that, that, that he has for your life. David says, if I can just get into his presence, I can see the greatness, the glory, the beauty of God. When Moses was encountering the Lord in the burning bush, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, it says that as the bush was being burned, it was not being consumed. It was not, it was not burning up. It was on fire, but it, was, it wasn't disintegrating. And the Bible says that behold, as, as Moses turned his attention, he could not get his eyes off of this burning bush. There is something when I behold the greatness of God, I can't take my eyes off of it. I don't want to take my eyes off of it. I want more of it, Lord. I want, God, I want more of you. I want to see you in every aspect, in every area of my life. God wants you to behold the greatness in every aspect of your life. And that's why I think, as, as even if we, as we've come through the holiday of Thanksgiving, it's not about a holiday of being thankful. Our life, the more thankful you are for what you have in your life, it gives you perspective and allows you to keep your eyes on the greatness of God. I'm telling you, the thankful heart, a heart of gratitude, a heart of praise will bring perspective into your life. Because when I get out or away from a heart of thankfulness, I'm always looking at the things that are wrong. When Eve was in the garden and Satan came in the form of a serpent, he got her to look at what was wrong. And when she was looking at what was wrong, she walked away from the presence of God by sinning. The enemy wants you to look at the things that are wrong, but can I challenge you today with a thankful heart? See what God has done. 
If God's put breath in your lungs, it's something to be thankful for. If God's restored your family, it's something to be thankful for. If God has opened up the doors on a new job, that is something to be thankful for. Listen, church, I'm telling you, we live in a world right now that's trying to get you to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And before you know it, you don't have thankfulness or a heart of gratitude for the very thing that God is doing. I think sometimes we take for granted this salvation that we have. We forget what God has done. That at one moment, I was far from God. I was broken. I was disgusting. I was a mess. But out of his love, out of his faithfulness, he picked me up and he turned me around. God, I thank you today. This is why he says in the opening uh, scripture of this in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. David never lost sight that the Lord was his salvation. Doesn't matter how many victories he had, how much greatness that he experienced, he always had the perspective that it was the Lord. And I want to challenge you to look at your life and see what has the Lord done in my life? What have you done in my life, Lord? I find this when I can be grateful and thankful for the things that God has done. I'm not complaining and groaning and moaning about the things that aren't done. Something about having a thankful heart. And I'm not preaching a Thanksgiving message, but I'm just here to stir you up today. Behold the greatness of God, the beauty of the Lord. Where has God shown himself in your life that you can behold, that you can look intently at? David says, dwell, behold, and inquire. The word inquire means to search thoroughly. To search thoroughly. David says to his son Solomon in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, he says, if you seek the Lord, you will find him. But if you don't search for him, he will cast you off. He gives him this strong charge in everything. Seek the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about the narrow gate versus the wide gate. He says the wide gate is the one that leads to destruction. Many people are on that road. The narrow gate, that's the harder one to find. Not many people are looking for the narrow gate. I truly believe this. Most people go through the wide gate of destruction, not because they're seeking destruction, but because more traffic is funneling through. We think that's the way that we should go. We just follow everyone else. And the Lord hasn't called you to follow anyone except for Jesus who is the narrow gate. And it's harder. Oh, it's harder to go through that narrow gate. But when you desire his presence and you search thoroughly for that gate, you will find it, you will enter through it, and it is the gate that leads to life is what Matthew's gospel says. It is the gate that leads you to the path of the abundant life, by the way, the full life, the life that's overflowing with God's goodness in his presence, and as I've already said, in his protection and his provision and every good thing and every God thing that he has, it's through the narrow gate, but I gotta search for it. It's like a Where's Waldo book. Where's this narrow gate at? (laughs) Anyone ever done a a crossword puzzle or a word search? It's all there. You just got to take the time to look for it. Let me tell you, God is there. (laughs) 
God is with us. Sometimes we just got to take a little bit more time to, to, to search for him, to seek after him. Can I tell you the beautiful thing about this book? Jesus is in every single one of these pages. It might not say Jesus Christ on every page, but if you search thoroughly, you will find the king in every one of these pages. You know why? Because he is the pages. He is the book. He is the word. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the narrow gate to the abundant life that he's made available to us. David says, I'm going to search thoroughly. I'm going to search thoroughly. There's a story in the Bible that I love, and I'm going to close with this last story here. But there's a story in the Bible where David had been king over Judah for seven years. And King Saul at this point had died and the other tribes came to David and the leaders and they said, we want to now make you king over all of Israel, fulfilling the prophetic word and the promise spoken through Samuel. So as soon as David is made king, the very first thing that David seeks out to do is to capture Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been inhabited by a different people group that were not godly. But the Lord said that, David, you're going to be king over all of Israel. Which, by the way, the Lord wants to be Lord over all of your life. Not some of your life. Not part of your life. Not the easy parts. Not the, not, not, not the manageable parts that you think that you've... He wants to be Lord over every area of your life. So the Bible says that as David became king, his very first act of king was he said, I have to take possession of this city. It is being occupied by a people group that do not belong there. And the Bible said that throughout the course of history, even Joshua tried to overthrow this city because he knew it was part of the promised land, but he could not do it. And it was to the point that the city was so strong and so fortified that they would put the blind and the lame people at the top of the walls to make fun of God's people. David becomes king and he says, I'm called to be king over all of Israel. And so the word of God begins to show us that David searched thoroughly to find a passageway to break in. And it was one of David's mighty men that led the mission. So why are you telling me that, Pastor? David understood something. He understood the desire, the drive, the intent of chasing after the things of God. And David pursued with all of his might. And by the way, he prevailed and he conquered that city, fulfilling the promise that the Lord had given that he would be king over all. What I'm telling you is when you desire to seek after the things of God, when you desire his presence and you allow him to have access to every part of your life, you will see God begin to mend, to heal, to fulfill, to transform, to change, to renew. He will bring your life into such a full place because he loves you and he desires 
for you to pursue him. In fact, David says, the one thing I desire, but have you ever wondered what's the one thing that God desires? The Bible says it. David writes it. He says this in Psalm 51, 17, that the Lord he desires is not sacrifices, but a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Say, what what are you talking about? The one thing that the Lord desires is for you to have a crushed heart. What is a crushed heart? It's a a humble heart. It's a faith that says, Lord, here I am. I trust you. Can I tell you that faith is not about striving. Faith is about surrendering. Some of us, we think if I can will up enough faith, I can strive and persevere. Well, if I do that, my faith is in myself and not in God. Faith is about me surrendering what I have and allowing the Lord to make his way into my life, into my situation, so that he can be the one that gives me the victory and not me myself. The Lord says that the key to this whole thing in desiring me is that I really desire you to have a broken heart, a humble heart, a heart that is surrendered. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.